So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. Happy New Year everybody. We come into it after a victory and defeat to Salem Bath, which is what we'll cover today, as well as looking ahead to our Leicester match next weekend. And then there's a couple of um, new signings and bits of rugby news we'll chat about. So um, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, of course, as always, you can find us on social media. Hey, yeah, uh, well first of all, Happy New Year for me as well. Um, yeah, so on Twitter, if you type in at Folk on Falcons, you'll see our profile and on Facebook... It's simply just folk on Falcons. Yes, so first one we'll touch on is the victory, a fantastic victory against Sale. 23rd, I think it was, 24th, 23rd, December, just before Christmas. Um, it certainly put a nice spring in our step going into the, the festive season after that turnaround at halftime. Yeah, well, it seems a lot long time ago now, but yeah, um, uh, very much a game of two halves, if ever there was one. Um, first half, I thought we were very, very fortunate to only be 14 points behind. Uh, De Chavez in particular, who's actually had some national press attention, disrupted the line out, their line out well, and I just don't think sales line out functioned that well at all in the first half, but that kind of gave us a lifeline because I think if they had a functioning line out and took those chances where they were kind of in our 22 or in our 5 metre, uh, we could have been looking at a very a very bad score at half time, but, you know, it, they only scored the two converted tries, and even then we were we were we were poor in the first half. I think everyone could could see that. I'm sure even the team would hold their hands up and, and agree with that. I think they did with the comments after the match. But second half there was definitely an improvement. We scored earlier on the earlier on in the second half. And whilst we, we did improve a little bit, I was really surprised by how just sale just went completely off it. Um, I don't know if it was a case they thought the game was already won or or something was said at half time or I don't know, but they just went completely off in the second half and, and credit to Falcons. I mean, we took advantage and you know when we did get into the trade two, we were more clinical. Um, you know, that's all it needs, that that's the difference. But yeah, a real game of two halves, but you know, fantastic ending and managed to hold on and you know, a great way to sort of start the festive period. Yeah, as you say, a game of two halves, I think all but maybe one, perhaps two penalties were scored in front of the North Sand. And um, seeing it, I unfortunately couldn't go to it because of festive family commitments. But um, I saw it on the telly and there must be about three fans in the North Stand. Everyone else in the rest of the ground got thoroughly cold and miserable. But well, not miserable in the second half, I guess. But um, yeah, well played to those ones that stuck it out there. Yeah, I mean, I think they had, I can't remember the number, it was the highest crowd of the season. Which was good to see. I mean, it was a... A very wet and cold Friday night. I mean, and the, obviously, the weather didn't help at all. But, you know, nice to obviously have the biggest crowd of the season and to, of course, to see a win. We just hope, I guess, that those sort of crowd numbers kind of get to that level still for the rest of the season. But that kind of depends what happens on the pitch, I suppose. Yes, and um, I guess maybe the North Stand was particularly empty because I think that the North... Am I right in saying the North Stand is now kind of the... The affordable stand, and they've tried, or given the North Stand season ticket holders the option to switch to the South Stand. I think so. I think you're right in that it is quite a bit cheap. I mean, often when they have these offers, you know, ten pounds a ticket or whatever, it is it is for the North Stand. They also have an offer where for season ticket holders, I think this applies to other matches, but they're particularly trying to market it for for the sale game. Whereas you know, brings bring a friend for free with your season ticket. So I think the idea was you contact the box office. Or, phone or email and say oh one free ticket please here's my season ticket number but I don't know if the free ticket would put them in the north stand I'm not sure how that works and I didn't actually try it myself but um I do I do wonder if you know if you are if you were bringing a friend you know, oh yeah it's great come the Falcons and then I've got a free ticket for you and you kind of give them the ticket and like, oh north stand where's that oh it's that one over there you know we've got the snowmen standing um on the terraces so I do wonder how that worked in terms of free ticket but um 
I think there were, you could count them. I think there may have been about 15 people in the North Stand, but I mean, they got a good view of all the tries, certainly, because all the action was down at, at that end of the pitch for the whole match. Certainly it was. Um, then I guess we all went into Christmas quite cheery after that because, like we've both just said, fantastic performance turned on. And we really did deserve that win with the, the second half shift that was put in. And then this weekend, the 31st, um, Long trip down to Bath, and it's one of these ones where once again we came away from nothing with a performance where you think, How on earth have we not put that one to bed when we had the opportunity to do so? Yeah, so I think the first half in particular, where of course we were leading at half time, but we had a lot of ball in their half in their 22, which just, just didn't take advantage of it. You usual sort of stuff, was it unforced errors or giving away penalties or really good possessions? And in a in a in a what would have been a sort of real close battle that that's costly you know you, obviously you can't do that you've got to take your chances and I think Bath were always going to have a bit more of it later on and um, of course what didn't help was going down to fourteen men and they really sort of took advantage of that and again I think the second half we've seen it for, you know for large parts of the season the kicking game wasn't good again that just kind of gave Bath more possession and. No, it was incredibly disappointing because in, in this sort of battle for Ave, if you want to call it that, quite obviously you've got to beat the teams around you. And, you know, we've lost to Bath twice and then we've got a single league point from those two games and we got well beaten by London Irish. So you look at where we are on the table and you can't really complain. And, you know, unfortunately you, you've got to win those games against teams around you and we just haven't done that this season. Yeah, um, also I found that the nature of the tries and uh, some of the play against Bath was incredibly frustrating. We let them in for their first try from, well, started off, they had an advantage because I think it was Gary Graham decided to just run into a mall from the side, but these things happen. And then they, they chipped over the top and Sam Stewart um, did a good old-fashioned fumble and then I think it was Lawrence kind of slid over the line. I, I'm not sure there was whether or not there was a knock-on. Didn't really go to the TMO too much for it, but it looked like he might have had a bit of a fumble on the way down and right into the posts. And then um, we scored our tries shortly after. And then they went down to 14 and we didn't capitalise upon it as like we could have. Then following that, Gary Graham obviously had his canter in from 20 yards and was allegedly held up. But the referee said that he felt his on-decision field was no try. But then with Bath's last try, he said his on-field decision was try. And looking at the two of them from just the referee's position, etc., I'm very surprised he could say that his on-field decision was a try for that last Bath score. Don't know how he managed to see that. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the comments afterwards was perhaps didn't get the rubber green from the referee. And I think even Walder said they wanted clarification about a couple of the decisions uh, during the match. But, you know, I think the balance of it, you know, we can't really complain. You know, we had our chances and we didn't take them. But yeah, you're right in terms of that try incident. How, you know, I think the important thing is, of course, the referee said, oh, can you give me a reason why we can't award the try? You know, and then it's very difficult to kind of get that overturned. That was a difference. But of course, Gary Graham's was the other way around. I mean, though, to be fair, I think that did look held up. But yeah, I mean, maybe it's like one of those things again where, you know, you wait a bath and you don't get the rub of the green with a referee sometimes. But I think it's mainly we've got to look at ourselves. I think the, that, that game was there to be won and we didn't, quite frankly. Yeah, um, selections wise, I think in the forwards, there's not really been too much um, to talk about. I think the, the selections are pretty much as you'd expect. In the backs, it's been a bit interesting with Penny featuring at 12. And I think that's probably because Abati Yinbo putting a Simbin to one side, which I think was a bit harsh, perhaps. He's been playing exceptionally well at fullback. And I think Penny's actually come into the centres very well. And he's been paired up with Orlando the weekend just gone. And then prior to that, it was Moroni in the centres. And is he playing those throughout the position or is there a rotation system going on? I can't quite work it out, but it seems to be working, defensively especially. Yeah, well, didn't he play the centres for Harlequins, I think? 
Um, um, I think it was a utility box. We may well have featured there. Yeah, so maybe that, maybe they're just kind of leaning on that experience. But uh, um, but I mean, it's interesting. We haven't really seen much of an Orlando Moroni sort of partnership. Maybe they're too similar type of player, I guess. Perhaps. Um, yeah, I because um, when when I saw the squad, I was surprised to see Moroni on the bench. Maybe it's just injury or whatever or resting. Well, who knows? But, but like I said, I think Penny's really done a huge amount wrong uh, playing the centres when he has been in the past few weeks. But I don't know. It's all I still think there's something lacking there, isn't there? Really, you know, you, when you watch it, whether that's down to the individuals or, or how the team is is playing or how, how it's or what the, the tactics are with ball in hand. There's, there is still something missing there. And I'm I'm not entirely convinced that Penny is the answer for that, certainly attacking. Yeah, and um, one other thing that... Oh, there's a couple of other things. We'll move on to one of them shortly, which is Sam Stewart starting at Scrum Half um, following his contract extension. And um, I'm hoping it's just me being a bit um, conspiracy theorist, but I do often think that selections reflect what might be going on behind the scenes with contracts. Um, it was evident when McGuigan was being rumoured about that Malaya started against Connaught, and then this weekend, we've, we've been saying all season that Radwan hasn't really looked at the races, and he hasn't particularly looked like he's enjoying his rugby at times, and Stevenson started in, ahead of him on the wing was... Was that for defensive reasons, or do you think that there's more to it behind the scenes that there might be an announcement in the next few weeks from somewhere that perhaps our biggest fear, Radwan, might be off? I don't know. It's purely speculation, nothing to ground it, but um, funny one. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to sort of, I guess, fully disagree with that, because like you say, we have to see there has been track record with this where players haven't been featuring, and then out of nowhere, a week or so later, suddenly they're gone or, or whatever. But I mean, a bit harsh on Radwan, because... So often this season, so many games where he just hasn't had the ball. Like just it, nothing seems to come for him now. Maybe there can be a criticism that maybe you should go looking for it more, perhaps. But I think it, you know to be a, a Newcastle winger, I think a lot of the time is quite hard going. And a lot of it does seem to go around the other way, which comes with Carrera says he's doing so well this season. And that could be a reason is because he's getting more of the ball somehow. Um, but I think, you know, I think I do feel sorry for Radwine a lot of these games where he has been out there. Um, and he just hasn't had any ball at all, hasn't any service whatsoever. He's had nothing really to go on. Like I said, maybe he could go looking for it more because I think Carreras has done that a bit more this season. You know, he's reaped the rewards. But I think it's also just the way they're playing. And that, you know, some we have said that sometimes it can be very flat in attack. And I think Radwan is actually the biggest casualty of that. But well, we'll have to see what happens the next few weeks. You know, it could be you could be right in that maybe there's something going on there, but we all have to hope that that's not the case. Maybe it's just sort of injury, or you know, it could just be form related. Who knows? But yeah, as long as it's not, as long as he's not leaving anytime soon, I think that's what we've got to hope for. Well, I think his contract's due until the summer, and um, let's put it this way: it's, if if his contract's not been extended yet, it's a very strange way of treating someone who you want to stay to start entering them while negotiations are ongoing. Maybe it's going to be announced in the near future he's extended, and they're just giving a bit of a, a squad rotation. Let's hope that's the case, or it could be, which I fear, but. As I say, pure speculation that there could be something agreed that perhaps the fans don't know about yet and they're lining things up for the future or giving Stevenson the nudge for other reasons. But I guess we shall see. So as just mentioned about Sam Stewart, um, some good news come out the training ground this week. Signed a three-year extension. Was it quite what you expected? No, I don't know, actually. Um, I think I think it was right to give it a contract extension. I mean, you know, when he has performed, he has performed well, I think. You know, we don't have a lot of options at Scrum Half. I didn't think it would be a good idea to have let him go. And obviously, they've, the club's decided to keep him um, based on his performances. And obviously, by going by his comments, at least he wants to still be part of the club. So I think 
it's a win for everyone. Um, interesting, obviously, three-year contract, given his age as well. That shows, I think, quite a bit of confidence in him um, as well going forward. But yeah, I think it, it's a good it's a good signing. I think um, I think all parties could be happy with that. Yeah, um, I've I've always quite liked Sam Stewart. I think he's got a good bit of dynamism, which um, reminds me a bit of Hall Charlton actually from back in the day. The way he plays the game, um, not afraid to scurry around the side and for not a big man, he gets stuck in. Thirty-one-year-old um, with three-year contract. Hope it's not another jinx like Philip van der Velt when shortly after signing his, he did his ligaments. So it'll take him through to 34, which I guess if we're looking at it kind of realistically, it's the sort of age where professional rugby players these days, especially in the back, start winding down their careers. Um, player in the similar category to that at the minute, perhaps Mickey Young, had his times this season and maybe he's carried on a bit longer than perhaps was the initial plan or expectation. And um, maybe there was the assumption that Stuart might have featured more this season or perhaps Barton getting involved or Nordi Calametti, who's kind of gone off radar a bit. Um, is he injured at the minute or has he just fallen out of favour? I'm not sure, but he's he's not featured for, for weeks. But um, Mickey Young is, tends to be a starting scrum half apart from obviously this Saturday. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I mentioned before how we don't have a lot of options at scrum half, but look at those names. I mean, the Glenwood, of course, is Lordy Kelemetti. I mean, no idea what's happened to him. I've always quite liked him, actually. I always thought that especially the more you played him, the better you would get. And I thought actually he was sort of like, our, he would be our start in future scrum half. But yeah, it's just sort of completely got off the radar, which is odd, which maybe, again, is, is why they, they decided to, tie Stuart down for a long time because we don't have a lot of options there, whether that's enforced or, or out of choice. But yeah, I mean, I think there are some questions about scrum half, actually, in terms of the, the players we do have there. Um, certainly, perhaps in the summer, that could be something that can be addressed. But yeah, I mean, particularly with Keller Messi, that, that is an odd one. Yeah, um, I think it's also maybe worth thinking about the fact that um, Stam, Sam Stewart's obviously, he's taking on his coach from Badgers. Um, he's currently working closely with Bladen's first team. Um, obviously, Falcon takes precedence, but is he going to be one of these players where they've seen something in him, perhaps they're lining him up for a future coaching role at the club as his career winds down? I don't know. It might be that he's shown something on the training ground. So if we move on to other bits of transfer news, as it's that time of the year, um, I don't think any departures apart from McGuigan have been announced yet, which um, I'm sure they'll come in due course. Um, but another one that's adjoining, another Argentinian, Pedro Rubiolo, I have to say, don't know a huge amount other than seeing on various Argentina team sheets at various points in time. But I think you've done a bit more background reading on him, perhaps seen him in Super Rugby. Well, yeah, a little bit. He was part of the Argentina squad in the Autumn Internationals. Um, so obviously that includes the win over England. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we're doing a lot of our recruitment down there at the moment. Uh, there must be something to it in terms of, well, I suppose we have the Argentines already at the club now and there's obviously links there that we've play together both at international level and a lot of these players um certainly Orlando and Carreras have played for Juárez either at super rugby level or since then them leaving super rugby they've played domestically in Argentina for Juárez who was still a club who played in their league um so they have been been playing there and yeah so they've obviously got the links between the players we currently have and I don't know whether it's agents or the contacts at Juárez or in Argentina and it seems to be a good place for us to snap up actually fairly decent players for what you think are actually probably relatively smaller fees than if we were getting them from the Four Nations or even France, somewhere like that. So it's, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good bit of recruitment. I mean, he's only 20, so he's got, you know, his own future ahead of him. Two-year deal, which is pretty reasonable standard. 
deal for these sort of players. Um, yeah, I look, look forward to seeing him. I mean, because it's quite funny because we often say how well stocked we are in the forwards, particularly in the back row. But actually, with injuries and Trump and having surgery recently on his dislocated shoulder, um, we are actually quite light there at the moment. So it, it it is a good acquisition. And I think it seems to be not just a good one in terms of filling out the numbers, but it does seem to be a quality acquisition as well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. And I guess he might be involved this weekend because he's already started his training at the club. Yeah, he said it was a two-year deal. It's actually two and a half years. So um, we assume you know, there's not going to be a huge amount of jet lag from Argentina or Winter Thornton. Is the only reason he shouldn't hit the ground running. He's um depending on, I guess, which uh metric to imperial measurements conversion he uses. Rumored as being anywhere between six foot two and six foot five. So it could be um the 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 conversions. It could be that he's still growing. As, he's still actually only twenty, or it could just be that different people hype him up. But if he's only six foot two, he definitely sounds like a back row. And if he's six foot five, he's still not a big guy for a second rower. And he's said to play across both positions. So um who knows what's going to happen there? But certainly good strength in that area because we have suffered injuries there recently. But on on that same note, um, I have to say Carl Ferns is looking quite handy again. He looked like he put in a, a number of good hard yards at the weekend. So um, it's no necess- not necessarily a shoe-in to the starting 15. Yeah, I mean, someone like Carl Ferns, you said there, I mean, it's a question of how, how fit can he stay and can he, can he do it? Can he play consistently over several weeks you know, at a high level. But I think with uh, uh, Rubiolo, he's certainly going by the top of his website. I mean, he can play back row or second row. And, you know, well, that that's, I guess, what we need, especially with sort of the injuries around the moment. We do need quality players who can cover, you know, the back row and second row if needs be. So we'll see where he kind of slots in and we'll see, you know, if, if he does have a favourite position or if he, he is just more of kind of a utility forward and it's just kind of putting as and when is sort of needed. But um, yeah, like I said, I'm sort of really looking forward to seeing him in there. I mean, because I think it's, at the moment it's actually quite hard to sort of pick our, st- our starting back row because of injuries and, and other form-related issues. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, and also it's nice to have an Argentine that's not called Matt. So there we are. So um, I think there's just one thing I'd like to quickly mention, which um, we, is about just ticketing and costs, etc. Offers that you within the ground. There's also one on Premiership Rugby TV at the minute um, where I'm not sure if it's still valid. I think it is where you can get a half season pass for 19.99 for all matches. So you use the discount code Falk23, and given it's related to the Falcons, I assume some of it goes to the club. But I've actually cancelled my BT Sports subscription because I decided what's the point in paying it anymore. Falcons are on about once a season, if we're lucky, it would seem. And you basically get all of the Premiership games that aren't on BT Sport if you get the Premiership Rugby subscription. So that's what I've done. And it means that all the away games and things like that where you can't normally get to them easily, you can just watch them from the comfort of your own home and not have to worry about travel, etc., or finding someone with BT Sport you can piggyback off. Yeah, I mean, it does raise a lot of questions, actually. Just, I think for for Falcons in particular, it's it's a no-brainer, you know, because, like you say, we're never on BT, or it's very rare to make a couple of games a season. I know, having said that, our game against Leicester this weekend is on BT Sport. But generally, you know, we're not usually on BT Sport. So for us in particular, I mean, it is a really good deal. But it does, I think it does make you wonder, actually, the flip side of that, you know, is it worth going to some of these games sort of in person because it's, you know, it's so cheap just to watch it, you know, through the membership rugby TV, you know, from the comfort of your own home. Um, so I don't know if that's sort of, I mean, yeah, of course it's great to have, but I don't know if that kind of undermines sort of the push, the drive to try and drive up attendances because you can just watch it for 
at home for a fraction of the cost. So I wonder if that's something you need to be wary of. But he, I mean, for someone like yourself, obviously, who can't get to games easily or at all, then it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? And I mean, for away games anyway, I mean, the very worst is you pay £5 a game, you know, anyway. And obviously that's a lot cheaper than, than making the journey to some of these places. But yeah, I think on the on the whole, it is a good, it is, it is good that they have this. Uh, I think, like I say, especially for Balkans, it is a lifesaver because we're one BT so, so few times a season. Yeah, um, for me, it was absolutely no-brainer to get it given it's less than £20 and if you just look at the cost of one adult ticket for a home game it's more than £20 to get the, the whole the premiership rugby that's not on BT Sport for the rest of the season um, no-brainer as far as I'm concerned but when I was doing that I couldn't quite believe the economics of it that the clubs or someone's really thought about the impact of this on attendance because there really is very little incentive to get yourself to games now when it's so cheap to watch it from the comfort of your own home but I guess, I don't know, is it a sign of the times of the Premiership Rugby? They're just trying to get as many pennies as possible now and worry about something else tomorrow. I mean, unless it's a way to sort of just drum up interest, but I would have thought those who would be aware of the of Premiership Rugby TV and, and the offers and the packages would be those who would kind of go to the games at least on a semi-frequent basis anyway. Um, I don't think sort of general public would necessarily latch on to, oh, 20 quid to watch half a season of as many games as I want. Um, so, yeah, like you said, the economics that I mentioned before is a bit of a funny one. And I wonder if they haven't, you know, if that has been considered in terms of the impact on attendances and, you know, with season ticket renewals coming up as well for a lot of clubs. Yeah, it, it's an odd one, but I, I still think on balance it is, it's, it is definitely nice to have because at the very least we can watch the away games. Right, so I think obviously there's not been a huge amount of rugby news over the last couple of weeks given it's been holiday season. So I think that brings us to the Premiership table and results. Um, I'm just going to recall the th- results from the weekend just gone, New Year's weekend, because if you actually care about the Mueller, probably looks at things over the course of the Christmas break. So, oh, days and dates at the minute, it's confusing. When was it? Uh, Friday the 30th, um, Sale beat Leicester 40 points to 5. Um, Saturday the 31st, obviously we lost to Bath 24 points to 16. Gloucester beat London Irish 8 points to 6. Um, Saracens beat Exeter Chiefs 35-5 and then on Sunday the 1st Northampton actually thrashed Harlequins 46 points to 17 so that leaves the table as things stand Saracens no longer have a 100% record after losing their game so they've now played 11 won 10 lost 1 which leaves them on 48 points Sale end up in 2nd still with 38 Harlequins with 31 Gloucester with 30 Saints with 29 Leicester with 28 Exeter with 25, Bath with 23, London Irish with 22, and we are ahead of Bristol on number of games won, with each of us having 21 points. If we just look at the league table for a minute, um, if we forget about the top of it, because it seems to me that that's kind of decided already, Saracen's going to win it by a mile. Between the third position and 11th position, there are only 10 points, which isn't many at all. So if we just look at the fact that we've lost two games against Bath and come away with nothing... If we'd have got 10 points in those two games, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility, we could actually be in third place on points difference. Well, I mean, I mean it has, has been said that, you know, particular, well, the Premiership in general is actually quite a close league. And I, it's shown that again this season as well, where, you know, the odd point here or there, and it can make a huge amount of difference. But we've been saying this for years, you know, bonus points, isn't there? You know, how many times have we said over the years and we've lamented that we haven't been able to get, whether it's, you know, try bonus points or losing bonus points when other teams have picked up bonus points. It does make the difference. Um, I mean, 
let's say we won the home game against Bath, um, you know, a few, few moments ago, then we would be well at the league. I mean, I know it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, an extra win here or there, but uh, you know, any team could say that. But it's true, you know, if we had if we had just managed an extra win here or there or, or a couple extra bonus points, things would look quite rosy. And it, especially for that eighth place, like you say, Saracen's way out in front and top, that's not going to happen. I think the, the teams who are sort of in the top four, I know only a few points of extra in seventh, but I mean, th- there's a big gap once you get sort of the top four range. But for that sort of battle for eighth, it is. It will go down to the odd point or two, and it's so important that we do pick up sort of these bonus points here and there. And that's why, again, it was frustrating with Bath not to pick up anything, and also, of course, miss that last-minute penalty because you know it's an extra point ahead of Bath. But it's even more so than normal. I think how close it's going to be this season, that end of the table. Well, you say the top four's pulled away. It's not. It's just the top two and Sale aren't that far ahead of Harlequins. Um, it, that gap will presumably open up at some point, but as of yet, if we say, oh yeah, we could be ahead of Exeter, well, at that point, we're ahead of Exeter, we're still, we're then within a bonus point win of being in third. Like, the, the league is that close that when we, I was lamenting the other week about have we thrown the Champions Cup, if we end up finishing in third or fourth, I don't think I'll begrudge that, but they've certainly laid down a challenge themselves by um, doing that, and it's just a shame we couldn't quite put it to bed when it came to the, the bath game at the weekend. Finally, um, we have to give score of the week to Falcons this week, even though we lost because none of the rugby was played in the region. So um, there we go. Falcons, the first time ever I've got score of the week. Long may it continue. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs>